Have you ever noticed Jimmy, when yeah, he well, starts broadcasting, it starts with him starting over again? Right. I know, it's every right. time. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Timmy Gibson Show. Glad that you're with us today. I've got a special episode called Peckers. We do it once a month. We get four guys together, a little scotch, a little whiskey. Which One buys? of these days, we're going to do it at Steve's place so we can do cigars. He's a big, he's a big cigar okay. aficionado. That would be a uh, topic in and of itself, according yeah. to my uh, bride. I don't think you knew. Do you know I got married a, almost a year now? Yeah, the news is out. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it. All that training, <laughs> you know, therapy finally paid off <laughs> these years later. But she has, she, she's always, you know, kind of uh, chiding me for, you know, the term peckers. Right. She's like, why are you guys going to name it? I said, it's, it's four guys. She's like, I, I know. But so, you know. Yeah. We could probably riff on that for 20 minutes. I, you know? uh, we definitely could riff on that. So just so everybody knows who's here, uh, we'll start right here with ah, Lance Strickland, you know, co-host of the Timmy Gibson show. It's my only fame in life that, you know, <laughs> I'm 51 now and I finally got something that I can put down is, you know, on, your I, resume. on my resume that I've done something with significance in my life. <laughs> Grandview soccer star. Well, right, right. Don't forget that. <laughs> Steve? And I'm Steven Janky. I'm not entirely sure why they keep having me back, but it's fun. You know what's cool? <laughs> and I put this in the Facebook uh, post to tease everybody. I said, you know, the venerable Steve Janky and all this stuff. I said, who actually worked with Elon Musk at SpaceX. What? That's not a joke. Wow. That yeah. is impressive. I well, I worked, in the, I worked in the shop. The thing is hiring down there, man. If you just walk in and you know how to turn a screwdriver. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we'll give you a shot because they like, to, you know, and uh, yeah, I got down there and I was like, yeah, I was an aerospace machinist. And they're like, yeah, when can you start? You know, and, you know, that's something I used to do when I was traveling a lot. I mean, like you two both know I used to travel like yeah. 300 days a year. And, man, I'd work night jobs everywhere I could just to get into something cool. So, yeah, you know, I, don't, I, mean, I still can't forget why you're divorced. <laughs> you know what? Travels 300 days. <laughs> you know, it was not the traveling. It was the coming home that did it. <laughs> if you could have been gone, yeah, more, it would have worked out. I love it. I still believe, man. I don't blame her one bit. <laughs> All right. So that was Steve Janky. And then we've got uh, Grant Wood here with us today. What's up? Hey. What am I, what Grant Wood? I'm uh, GW. You know, GW. Do you have a uh, nickname? You're, are you? G dub, G dub, G dub, butter pants. Uh, I'm going to B dubs. I'm going to B dubs with G dub. <laughs> you know, I'm a therapist. I have been for 20 years. I had two kids, 18 and 15. Just trying to do my thing, you know, yeah, man. Oh, well, so, welcome. I'm glad you guys are here. Happy to be here. So, what the fuck are we going to talk about? <laughs> uh, what do you want to start with? You want to talk about? Um, let's talk about love. Marriage. Love. Oh shit! Oh my! <laughs> Can I take a bye? So one of the questions, one of the questions that I get a lot through the singles mixer page that that I run is, uh, what what are your deal breakers? Now I know Lance, you know you're married. Um, Sorry, ladies, <laughs> married. <laughs> Dang. So what what were like uh, some of your deal breakers? Things that were like if that appeared, you're like, nope. Well. Um, I had some odds. I had some odd ones. I'll try to think of them because the first time I heard the question, but I think it's important that you, you know, you for visually take a piece of paper in your mind, put it, you know, lying down the middle on the left side, you got kind of the make it break it things, right? Yeah. Um, if you're younger, you know, do they want kids? If they don't, oh, you know, there's a big, you know, right and, you know, church, spirituality, all those things are right. But those are, 
I think I made my mistake in making sure all the things on the left were checked. I needed to pay more attention to the things on the right, which is how does Lance flourish in a relationship? And I think it's important to break those two columns out because the ones on the right are a little, you got to do some thinking to come up with them. Everybody can come up with the things on the left because you've been thinking about them for a long time. But you really need to come back and know and understand yourself and understand how you flourish in a relationship and what you're looking for, you know, what your personality type is, what your strengths. I mean, all those things are critical because you want to flourish in a relationship. So I think those are things work. But I also had just kind of a, I don't know what you would call it, a, oh, just a real weird list. Like you and I talked about it. It was like when I was doing online dating, you know, it was like kind of pretty feet, that kind of thing. Oh, I do like good feet. <laughs> that, that could be a whole segment too. I like little uh, feet. But uh, we, you know, so glad the therapist is here. We'll get that covered. <laughs> Lance, those are those are normal feelings. Glad he shared first. <laughs> I, I, you know, you would start messaging on the app and it'd get a little clunky. And this would be maybe just a day or two in at the most, you know. And I'd say, hey, do you want to bounce out of this and, and let's test? And if they said no, that was a deal breaker for me. And yeah. as weird as it was, because I was looking for someone that probably would maybe took a little bit of a chance. And I thought, you know, so I was like, if you if we can't text, like you can block me if I get weird, you know. Right. And I get the girls have a lot of different experience on online dating than men do. Sure. So there's a lot of weirdos out there. But that was just kind of one that was over here on this ancillary list yeah. for me that was a little in the odd category. But for whatever reason, you know, it was one that, that worked for me. And, and yeah. so anyway, that's good. What about you, Steve? Do you have, what are your like deal breakers? Oh God. Um, or things that you're looking for or things that will make your relationship flourish. Yeah. That's a nice way to make my relationship flourish. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I thought you guys knew me better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, the first thing is they got to be self-sufficient. You know, it, it, it amazes me when I run around out there and i meet people that like have absolutely no plan to ever be self-sufficient and it's not like i want their money i don't care about their money but and i don't care if they want my money but like you got to be able to take care of yourself because there's a certain amount of maturity that comes with that you know yeah and i mean this sounds crazy but they gotta like not be wanting it too bad like you know i mean there's some girls like you message them and like every third message ends up with like Oh, but I'm single or mentions that they're single and all that. And I'm just like, man, you're bumming me out, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So you mean you want a little something hard to get? Is that what you're saying or no? I'm not even saying kind of. Yes. I mean, I want to get to know them, you know? I mean, a lot of people, it seems like they just want to dive right in, dive right into physical and, you know, meet kids and, you know, oh, you'd be a great role model for your, my children. Okay. Ladies, first of all, I, I I don't think that's accurate. (laughs) Hey, I, I can resonate with that. I had someone say that to me on a first date. She yeah. said, well, I really need a role model for my you know, sons. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh man. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I will, I will, I'll teach your kids fiscal responsibility. I'll teach your kids how to build robots. I'll also teach them how to pick a lock and carry a shank. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's, and, you know, since we do have the therapist here, I think that's a the that's, therapist. That's, uh, that's an interesting topic to talk about. So from that perspective, how important is it to have a list and, and to really think that through and to really consider what are the things that are deal breakers? What will help my relationship flourish? I think it's important. I mean, 
I, w- I would just say this, and I'm, I'm a, sometimes I'll speak as just a guy, and other times I speak as a therapist, as a yeah. dude, as a person, as a man. Like, and this will relate to what you're asking. All I know at this point in my life is that I will treat my partner the way I treat myself. And so if I'm not in a loving relationship with me, mm-hmm. and if I'm not listening to what I feel and the things I'm really, if I'm not being honest with myself, I sure as hell am not going to be honest or open with her or empathetic with her. Wow. That's good. Yeah. And so that's what, that's kind of what it boils down to. So yeah, part of that is having boundaries, having, I, I need to know what my deal breakers are going to be and be able to articulate it. Yeah. Not, not pretend to be okay. If I'm not, that's what really creates. I, I'm curious about this. Hey, Grant, as a therapist, do you, I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm, I'm interested. Do you, th- do you think about your own life or do you have the, 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 tension of thinking about your own life through the clinical methods that you teach on a day-to-day basis? Or, I mean, is that who you are or, or is there a separation and you go home at times and think, I'm not even holding to the boundaries that I'm, you know, telling my clients. Absolutely. It is. Okay. Those moments absolutely happen. And it's, I look at it as, man, I've got the privilege of this daily work that I do to help remind me of what I know. I, I know mm-hmm. things and I forget what I know. And then if I, even if I know things, I don't always practice what I know. Mm-hmm. So when I'm showing up to work, working with people and giving them encouragement, advice, whatever, I, I can't do that for very long without feeling that tension of, you know, I'm not, I'm not congruent with this mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty harsh light. You mm-hmm. know, you can lull yourself to sleep. You know, all, all I got to do is meet with someone who's worse off than me. And I can say, wow, gosh, you know, at least I'm not dealing with that. But then yeah. there's more days where it's like, you know, this person in my office, they're doing better than I am. Yeah. They're teaching me. Oh, yeah. You know, so the, the beauty of it is, is I'm always getting to learn. I, I learn from my clients. Um, but I've, I've done it too long to, you know, maybe when I was younger, I would feel like I have this kind of tiger by the tail. Yeah. At 49 and in the midst of a divorce myself, I'm just I'm just starting to learn. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, and I know way more about what I don't know. I I have got to say this because Grant, I haven't I haven't seen Grant in a long time. Grant, I you know, my uh ex and I went well Grant knows both of them. He isn't my third, but he knows my first and second. So <laughs> dirt on the table. Here. I told Michelle, I said Grant Wood's gonna be on the podcast tonight. She's like, who? She's like, it's my third. She's like, that's kind of weird, isn't it? And I was like, I don't know, is it? He's like, yeah, she knows like, all the dirt about it's like, you. It's like seeing your, it's like seeing your teacher when you were yes, young, seeing your teacher yes, at the mall, and you're like, you do things outside. Yeah. Usually, when like relationships blow up, I tell myself there's a common denominator here, and it's me. But I think you need to consider. <laughs> Right. Sorry, but 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 Grant, um, you and I, you know, I texted this to Timmy. I said I'm really looking forward to having Grant on the podcast because Grant is so instrumental in my own life, even today. Because you introduced me to the whole, um, you know, our good friend uh, Sue Johnson and the uh, what is it, emotionally based focus therapy. Hold me tight. Hold me tight. That book, as a matter of fact. I reckon you probably don't remember this. I recommended that book to you when we were in a gym watching our kids play basketball. I can visualize it. Yeah, we were I setting it, up on you did. And I read it. That book changed my life, and it was all because of of Grant. And you know, you don't look back on a lot of you know. He, he's he's been a part of my life on riding on my shoulder, you know, this whole time, and probably didn't even know it. But you know, his his practice and and um, but. 
that's that was something that I looked for when I was dating was I realized that I didn't know necessarily how to make an emotional connection and what it was. And I, but I wanted, and then once I started to kind of figure it out a little bit because I'm a connector. Right. So I love that. And so I think maybe that comes back to the texting thing in some weird way. It, it's not really the right measure, but it was almost some way that they were a little guarded yeah. and it was like, well, I don't know if that, you know what I mean? Like in an online dating, there's just so many opportunities. So you just move on. But, but Grant being incredibly instrumental in my own development and, and around that, you know, emotional connection and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I share that too, you know, having, having been now divorced for, man, it's been about a year and a half. Uh, I struggled with the, the the incongruence of you know here I am the wedding officiant uh, the, the, the main wedding officiant in Kansas. I'll marry and divorce you. You should get into the divorce. You had your law degree. And, and I was I was like really brokenhearted and distraught over it. And you know I, I talked to Grant about it, and he said you know to me you're the wounded healer, which is like everybody. He said no one is completely one hundred percent congruent with what they even think or believe for themselves. And, uh, and that just gave me a, a lot of peace to realize that, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm just a human being. I can still continue to do what I'm doing and, uh, and it, it continues to grow and go crazy. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a great journey. So yeah, I'm so, I'm excited to have, have Grant here. Grant's been on a, a couple episodes. I think we talked about the spiritual stuff, which we'll tap on that a little bit today. Um, but we also talked about emotional health, I think. Yep. Um, one Grief, time. So yeah. Health. So Grant's been on the podcast. UFOs, Bigfoot. That's right. We did. We talked oh, about yeah. aliens, and we got to <laughs> get in. That is something we definitely. I don't have think to I said about. anything that really matters at all in regards yeah. to those subjects. But <laughs> I, I don't either. Every time he's like, "Let's talk about conspiracy theories or aliens," and I'm like, okay. "I got nothing I on these things." Yeah, the deal breaker thing is is it is important. I know for for me, I like you know I have a list of things that. Are critically important but then also having been married for 25 years to one person and having a, a great marriage until the end when it wasn't you know it 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 helps to remind me the importance of not fluffing off like oh that's fine mm -hmm. like it's okay yeah but to really if that's something that bothers you look at that and be honest with it especially like if you're single listening to this podcast like if, if there's a red flag turn into that Listen look into that me. like Figure that shit out. Yes. Don't go, oh, that's fine. That's fine. No, because it will come back. The to smallest of things can really become big things later. But yeah. That being said, though, you know, one, one thing I've noticed like dating in the modern world is, you know, I mean, everybody's got their list of red flags and it's like this long. I mean, it's like right. Santa's list. They're going through it all, you know. And I mean, part of me, you know, and I think Timmy's actually the one that told me this. He was like, you need to figure out also, you know, what you are looking for, you know, cause you find what yeah. you look for, you know? And the thing I learned is like, if I'm having a, I don't, I don't go on bad dates. I don't have bad runs dating. I have unfortunate dates sometimes and I have funny <laughs> dates sometimes. And if I've had a lot of unfortunate and funny dates lately, I'll sit down and I'll, I'll, I'll have to like give myself a pep talk. I'll be like, Steve, we're sitting here and we're filling out the red flag form and the red flag form and the red flag <laughs> form. And eventually I end up with like the fucking encyclopedia shit Steve doesn't like. And I'm thumbing through it whenever I meet someone looking for some reason to blow it the fuck off. You know, eventually yeah. I also have to look at it and say, you know what? There are some good traits these women had, you know, even yeah. if it didn't work out, even, even if they were throwing red flags left and right, there's something that attracted me. What was that? Yeah. You know, and I learned I need to home into that because, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't do online dating. I don't do the random throw a shitload of darts at the wall and hope something sticks. I just, it's not in me. It's not in me. I like to meet people one-on-one. -on -one. So it's important. I know when I meet someone like, 
do they have stuff I'm looking for that, you know, maybe I need to ask if they want to go grab drinks, you know, and yeah. mm -hmm. but, yeah. deal breakers. I mean, is, would it be safe to say that you don't really know all of your deal breakers until you've been broken? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. That's true. That's do you encounter so it? Yeah. Whenever I think I know them, I'm shocked. Yeah. <laughs> well, we start with our values. We start out young with like, here's what I think I want. This is the image. And then through life, maybe that's part of the beauty of midlife crisis is there's enough brokenness by that time to really dial in. Yeah. I, I really do know some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, yeah uh, there's, there's no doubt. Pain. That yeah, pain is a is a, what is it? You you become wounded or wise, wiser. You know, it's bitter or better. It's it, and what's that one other quote? Oof. It might be Elon Musk. Is you either win or learn. Ah. And I really love that that idea that it's an opportunity to learn about yourself, mm -hmm. about what you like or what you don't like. But I'll tell you what's been interesting for me is to learn what I like. And you'll mm -hmm. encounter something. You're like, well, I didn't know I like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that again. I think I, I didn't know that was on the list. I didn't know that was on the menu. I think we need more I'm whiskey before we have that conversation. Mac and cheese with tuna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, cur I'm curious. I'm cur curious, Greg, because we talked about this on the on the last pod last week. It seems like the typical response from the therapist is. You know, someone's been married for 20 years and, you know, they get divorced and and a therapist will say, you know, you need to take some a decent amount of time off and kind of find Ooh, yourself. And I agree. Well, this is interesting. And, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I can't disagree with that. But I also have a theory in my own experience that it comes back to what you just said was there was a time to take off and kind of get myself into a position. But I also didn't know, you know, it was like a sport. You you can go out and practice and everything. You got to get in the game and then kind of measure where you're at. And it's like, whoa, I've got a lot of work to do on my blocking and tackling. I'm nowhere near ready to play. I need to get back over and back out of it. It was a little bit of in and out to kind of find where the rough edges needed to be sanded down. And I've always thought that therapists were kind of like, oh, if you've been married for, you know, 10 years, then you need to be single for five years. What's your what's your position? How do you because you kind of mentioned that you kind of value the in and out a little bit. Yeah, I try to. I. You know, and I, that's something I would have said early on after 20 years. Like, I just kind of know, like, it's not my job to to tell people what they should do. It's my job to figure out, like, what what's going on internally for them? What's their sense of what they need? And mm -hmm. then sometimes I might I might dig around that or challenge it just to see how mm -hmm. how, you know, um, how solid they are with it. But ultimately, like I want them to follow, I want them to, be able to listen to their emotions and their heart, listen to what they need and do it. Like some people need to be held by someone, mm -hmm. even if it's even if it's right on the heels yes, of the they death, do, even Grant. after the Come death on, of a spouse it. or <laughs> divorce or preach. death of a spouse, like some people need to be held. Yeah. You know, yeah. they they have the accountability to themselves to be healthy. But I I trust that they know more about what they need to be healthy still than I do, even though I'm a therapist. But I, I want them to hear themselves talk. I want them to hear themselves think and then make their decisions. I, I try to be careful not to tell people. Mm, like, that's interesting. Yeah. That is it. Because, I mean, that's exactly what he didn't do was tell me, Timmy, you shouldn't be doing anything until mm. whatever. Well, there was like um, a formula that was out there. It was like for what, for every year you were married, you take a month. Yes. Yeah. For every you year, know, yeah. one yeah. month. That's what know, Timmy said. I don't know yeah. where that, I read that somewhere. You know, and yeah. the, there was a time in my life where I'm like, well, that makes sense. But right now I'm like, no, that's not it's not human to no. do that. Yep. No, the, the, I think the balance is or I mean, just my 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 personal journey and what I've seen uh, in the dating world is there's two things that are really important. I feel 
when you do get divorced, it's critically important that you take some amount of time, you know, whether that's, um, you know, a month, a year, whatever it is to really reflect on what role did I play in the demise of this relationship? You know, where could I have done better? How could I have learned? Da, 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 da. I, I think it's really important to pull, pull away for that, but yeah, to give some kind of formula with an exact time, I don't, I don't feel like that's that that wouldn't have been helpful for me. I mean, I, I took six months just because I needed to really dig deep into my life. Um, but you know, it wasn't very long when I moved out that I was like, all right, I need to be held. What what was, I'm curious, you know, all the listeners join in because they want to know Timmy Gibson. So let me just, you know, give the listeners what they want and ask the question, you know, you coming off of a long marriage and then spending some time alone outside of the, maybe the, the common things, you know, well, I, you know, you want to find someone that's attractive or whatever the, sure, what sure. are some of the hidden gems that you've learned about yourself that you're looking for that, that you would have maybe, you know, that surprised you. Yeah. Have you uncovered any of those? Yeah. I really am attracted to, I mean, there's some like physical things, but feeling things like I like a very feminine energy. It's just, I'm very attracted to very feminine. Mm -hmm. Um, that's one thing that I've noticed. And I also like someone that's very, very like sweet, like very kind, very like, does that make like just a sweet, you want know, to meet somebody and go, man, she is just so sweet or he's just so kind, so sweet. That's something that's extremely, uh, important to me. Yeah. Do you, you know? when you're out with them, are you, as you're like evaluation meter going off on everything, oh, yeah. how they order, how they treat, I mean, yeah. <laughs> how they treat the waiter. Yeah. yeah. That, I, if they're curt or act snooty or literally in my mind, I'm like, let's get this done. Cause we're done. Yeah. Like I don't, that's, I just, yeah, that's just a deal breaker. Yeah. For me, yeah, yeah, that's an important that's a piece. Wrecker. That's a pecker yeah. wrecker. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Hashtag pecker wrecker. It's gonna go I feel, viral. I feel like now. that term needs a sound effect. It does. <laughs> totally. You know what? I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Is, is is taking that time for yourself, but also for me, the it was the darkest time of my life, and I'm not saying that for any kind of sympathy. It was just I had never been alone ever. Yeah. I had literally never been alone. I lived, went from my parents to the dorm room with three roommates to a roommate and, and then another roommate. And then I got married. She became my roommate. And then when I got divorced and moved into my own place, I was literally, I went to bed crying and woke up crying every yeah. day. Cause oh, I was yeah. like, I am literally all alone. No kids, no dogs, no cat, no, yeah, nothing. Yeah. No noise in the house. Nothing. Nothing. It was. And I went seven months without a TV. Wow. Because I didn't want to be distracted. My counselor <laughs> said okay. that, you know, don't do anything to distract, you know, don't start over drinking and, you know, just be real right, mindful of yourself. Randall you know? let you date real early, right. but, he, but he'll yeah. take your TV. Yeah. yeah. He didn't like tell me not to, he just said, you know, things to consider, right. right. To, you know, to be, to be mindful and careful and that ponder. kind of stuff. Yeah. Thanks to ponder. So it, for me, it just, it, I was like, okay, I really want, honestly, I had an agenda and I wanted to expedite. It was like, you know what? I want to dig into this hardcore fast. I don't want to do any masking. I want to face my fears head on. I want to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I was, so it was dark. Um, and then once the, the light started to shine, uh, yeah, it was like a, I was so grateful that I took that time, which now, you know, when I meet people and they've not, 
if they've not done the work, you know, if mm -hmm. I can tell oh, they're bitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if it's all their ex's fault, I'm out. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Right, yes. that, that is a, yes. that's a definite deal breaker. Yeah, I mean, I definitely fucked up some. I'll wave my old red flags proudly. I'm going to address them. If you can't do the same, I'm not interested. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm curious about, I don't know if I'm switching gears too fast, but we got about like five, six minutes on this particular um, portion. So when I think about midlife crisis, I've been watching some videos on it because I, I am for fucking sure that's what I have been going through the last 10 years. No, I think maybe for the last few years, for sure mm -hmm. that I watched a video the other day and literally they were tracking a midlife crisis. And I, as I'm watching it, like, of course I was getting emotional and I was like, holy fucking shit. Like the list of what that guy mentioned was like. Timmy's what are life, some of the Timmy's things? life, Timmy's life, Timmy's life, Timmy's life. Just the, the feeling like, Whoa, what have I done with my life? What am I doing with my life? Mm. You know, have I, am I going to become somebody you all of a sudden become aware? I'm curious what everybody else thinks about this. Of course, Steve's not middle-aged yet, ah, thank um, you. but, <laughs> but uh, just that, that realization that I'm not going to fucking live forever. Right. Like I get one fucking life to do something with. And then you think all the fucking dreams I had when I was 18, 19, which, you know, I was going to fucking rent the Sprint Center and have Sunday morning gospel church. I was going to be the tattooed Joel Osteen. And when that did not even remotely become a reality, I was disenchanted. Yeah. You know, my heart was broken. Um, and, and it was very difficult. And then, of course, I became an empty nester. And it's just wild. It, it fucked with me. You know, lost my sister to a drug overdose, lost my grandpa, who was my father figure. Uh, there were just certain things that just triggered. You know, I think someone it's is quoted to say the first half of your life, things are brought to you, you know, a marriage, a, you know, a mm -hmm. partner, children, all that. And then the second half of your life is things are being taken from you. You know, your grandparents die, your parents died. And so there was just this realization of, like, this is fucking it. Like, mm -hmm. like, what am I doing with my life? Who am I? Where am I going? And what am I accomplishing? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how it affected me. I don't know if you've, because how young are you? I'm 49. You're four. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah mine started in his forties. Mine started in my mid yeah. to late forties is when it started for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of think of it as, I think of it a couple of things. Like I'm the metaphor I think of is like, if I'm driving coast to coast, you know, right about in the middle, you get like one stop at this loves truck stop. It's like, think about what you're going to have to do when you're there. I don't know if we have to bleep that out or not. No, no, we don't. <laughs> Hopefully they'll it's become like, a sponsor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if that's the only place I let myself stop, like it'd be chaos. I'd go in there and I'd be buying reflectors and ropes and, you know, <laughs> a like, CB radio. Like, I need, I'd be like, whatever got me here is gone. I need to re up. I need to re equip. And then there's trauma. Like, our consciousness protects us from all the stuff our body knows that we've been through. And in midlife crisis, all those containers in our body that hold like every time I was abandoned times, I was judged times. I, you know, wanted to be loved and, and wasn't times I failed, like all that, all those containers fill up and they start to overflow. So it's, it's really traumatic actually. Mm. And, and so that's why we begin to like, you know, sometimes just medicate ourselves or numb ourselves that we're trying not to feel all that. So it's, I think midlife is a process of serious look at, okay, what, what worked, what, what didn't. And like, what kind of fuel do I need now? 
you know, that I'm kind of out of. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I got here and I burned this fuel to get here and now it's going to take something different. So there's got to be an evolution there, but it's, it's gritty. It is. Midlife is very gritty. It's not just, Oh, I want a sports car. It's I'm desperately, you know, lost. Yeah. Everything. I, a lot of the things I thought I would have, I don't. And what do you think what? is the goal of midlife? I mean, it there's the redemptive factor or the the positive piece that comes out on the other side of it, right? I mean, you describe it as is gritty, and it is, but it's gritty because you're being worked in some way yeah. into some. You're coming into something new. What do you, what do you think? What is that? It's like smelt, like smelting. Is that the right word? Like refining, like a metal, like mm-hmm. just boil it down until it's more pure. I mean, but I don't, you know, in terms of like why, like why is it there? I don't know. I just think the, I think the longer we live the more suffering will be there. And then suffering does produce wisdom. So I think it, I think it's the only way we get to wisdom. I think it's the only way that like, this is awful. This sounds really bad. Like it's what makes us ready to die eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To die well. Yeah. Yeah. To to die well and be able to say, you know, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I was a shit show. Bye. Love you. And like, right. Without, you know, if you haven't had scars or suffered, you don't, you don't get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone I, tells themselves they're not scarred. That's that's the problem. I, I, I don't know how this fits, but I feel like it does. I, I tell Michelle all the time we we bought a house and it's in it's in it's in the villas. And I didn't know we we're buying the I mean, they're just normal houses. So I didn't know. But and we, we needed to be able to, you know, I mean, I wanted younger people there. And there's like one couple that's just across the street from everybody else is retired. So they're all walking their dogs during the day and everything. <laughs> and there's Falcon Ridge's golf courses, right? They all play golf and everything. But I want young people around because it keeps me young. And there's something there about me going through midlife crisis that wants to still see young people around doing young people things because it keeps me young. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious. You know, this whole midlife thing is a it's it's a real thing. I'll be honest. I I'm, I hate stereotypical shit. You know, like there's there's parts of me that that you know, the midlife crisis. And that's usually when you get divorced and da, da, da. And I mean, I, like when I watched that, that video, the Ted talk or whatever on midlife crisis and just that list of what they named. I mean, I just shook my head and thought I literally fell right in line, with each thing, you know, Is got it- divorced, you know, just, there's several things I don't even care to mention, but there were just, I didn't buy the red Corvette. But you know, there, there were certain. But you things. do. You are growing a mustache. I am. I've got a you, mean mustache. You do. I, it looks I, good I, on dude, you, dude. Thank you. I had someone the other day. I kid you not. A dude come up to me and he goes, "Dude, I love your mustache." And I was like, "Well, thank you, man. Exactly. I never knew I could grow one." You're like, like I'm going through a midlife crisis. This is great. <laughs> I'm growing my hair out. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I got all these tattoos <laughs> in the last year. <laughs> There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I, I am definitely done. Yeah, he got his grand nice. got his first tattoo. I I'm in the club now. Oh my goodness. That, that, which so that excites me because for so many reasons. I'm obviously a big fan of tattoos. I, I you think like pain, I, suffering. Yeah, I do. I like uh I, I like I just I've I liked tattoos from when I was ten years old. I used to draw all over all over yeah. myself the day I turned eighteen, straight to the tattoo artist. Wow. And of course I told you my deeper yeah. therapeutic thing that yeah. I learned from Dr. Laura doing my breath work, why, yeah. why I have so many tattoos, which is a 
which is a whole separate deal. But so I'm curious, Lance, I mean, you're 51. We're, we're the same age. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like you've gone through some kind of midlife crisis? Well, I, I guess. Because you will if you haven't. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll be looking over my shoulder waiting for that midlife crisis bug to bite me in the ass. It's Tell us coming. about being old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is, I guess before I answer that, is midlife crisis a symptom of the age in which we live in? Would I mean, I, I guess I'm the reason I'm asking is because it might help me understand maybe a little bit more of what it is, because I was telling Grant when we were off the air, I don't feel like I've I'm in a midlife. There's some things, maybe five, 10 percent of my life. And it's probably just because I've aged in some ways and I'm like in this midlife because I'm having to pivot some of those those ways, you know, sure. but other areas I'm like, I'm just it's just the trajectory that I'm on and. And, and I also think, you know, when you get divorced, it, if you do it right, you, you're required to look within yourself. And yeah. it may have been at that moment that I pivoted a little bit to think who I'm at this place in my life. And it's the, I get the opportunity to recreate myself. And yeah. how and, old were you when the, when you got divorced? The- 40, 40. Oh, okay. cause I remember calling Jonathan Jones up and, uh, I was crying and, and I was just like, I'm 40. I'm like, you know, I thought. I thought I was just life was over, you know, man, I would love to go back to 40, you know, yeah. I mean, honestly, oh, I got to tell God. you, for folks, especially as a single guy right now, oh, oh, if I was 40, I was, oh, it's my tits. gosh, and I'm not 40 yet, but <laughs> <laughs> unless it goes really far south, really quick, it's tits. <laughs> 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 I think I, I think it. it would be that that time of my life was some of the best times of my life. I Me mean, too. I realize that you know you look back with recency bias with the things that are a little bit, but when I look back, you've you've come into yourself professionally. You know yourself so much more how you're wired. You've got a little bit of discretionary income. You know, it just is a good time of your life when you're going through divorce. It's it's the you're at the bottom and but you do come out of it. And if you do it right, you come into something new and you get to create that opportunity that you want. And, and you usually have the wisdom and the means and all the other things that are there to come into place. And man, you're just like, wow, I'm this living the best times of my life. That doesn't really answer your question about the middle of course, but that makes sense to me because I I remember, and I'm, I'm curious that the, the journey for me, there was this, you know, this real sadness of, of an expectation of what I was hoping for, what I assumed, right. Till death do us part type yeah. of thing. And then when that comes to an end, th- th- there's this, this sadness, uh, that, that comes over you, but then there's like right with it behind it, sharing mm-hmm. that space mm-hmm. is this excitement of what's next. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I get to mm-hmm. create my own own life i get to you know with all the wisdom of the last 50 some years now i can make a decision with all that wisdom that i didn't have in my fucking 20s a lot of the drama that you would have is gone at that age right and and things that i that i valued or clearly my journey specifically i mean things that i valued especially religiously that that i've have a totally different perspective on now so like what i would choose now would be clearly different than what I would have chosen then, right? A 25 year old Timmy chose something that was beautiful and wonderful for those 25 years, but the 50 plus one year old Timmy, what he's going to pick is a whole different thing. And I, I think for me, I had some friends run into me not too long ago and they, uh, the, the husband and wife, both 
wife pulled me aside and she goes, you seem so happy. Like mm-hmm. you really seem happy. And I said, I really am. And it's not because I'm happy that that ended. It's that I'm just happy because I've done all this hard work and it took that to yeah. drive me to my fucking knees. And it's what I needed for the oh, second yeah. half of my life. I want to, I don't want to talk about this now because I want to get Grant and Steve's perspective on this, but I want to come back to this and ask you and others, is there anything that you're fearful that you, that you're at the midlife crisis and there's, you're fearful that you won't, you know, you, you're maybe your life's shaped. It's what you're not going to be able to be the preacher at the sprint center. Right. Right. Is there those, is there anything that you're kind of looking at now thinking, you know what? I'm probably not going to get to experience that. Pause on that because I want to get their experience yeah. on the, yeah, on the that, other question. That's a good conversation. I definitely want to have that. I'm just that. thinking about how really like life, life is just a series of different crises. You know, it's not holes from birth to death. Like there's being born itself is a crisis, being a blob for a year, not being able to walk is a crisis. So we learn to walk, not being able to communicate is a crisis. We learn to talk. It was like some, someone listening right now is in their early 20s. They're in a crisis because they're just trying to put the finishing touches on their sense of who they are for the very first time. What am I going to do in this world? So I maybe just, so there's a lot of, you know, there's the crises we'll all encounter when we can no longer remember our name or, you know, we can't control our bladder, but like the midlife one does. <laughs> when you're wearing diapers. When, yeah, you know, we're <laughs> going real, back yeah. to diapers. I'm putting that on my fear list that I brought That's up. That's on there for sure. <laughs> yeah. But like, this, but I do think the one, the one at midlife, you know, it's just, it's, it has, significance because it is dead in the center and we have a lot of we have a lot of awareness and a lot of experience coming into it but life, life is like life is a lot of knot holes our, our job is to learn what we need to learn through those and go as long as we can yeah. and then there's whatever comes next you know life is such just a journey that actually i learned this actually from from steve steve had hired me as his coach and, and, it, and, it, and, and you ended up having to refund the money yeah i was like actually i'm gonna refund the money and pay you it's so, like how much you get out of why are you here it's because he was cheaper than a therapist and i understand right. yeah. right, right. right, i was trying to avoid that yeah well, he's a trade card i say he wants to cut out the middleman yeah, so i get all my wisdom from grant and i pass it on to steve so so literally uh yeah i would go see so go see grant so that i'd have something to say to steve but no so steve you know hired me for his for a coach as a date coach and just to you know to kind of ask great questions and and he was such like a you know good client that i was like this guy's great he's like almost you know like this he's doing better than i am in some areas and i can learn from him and of course you know we struck up this friendship and it's just ridiculous the how how that's grown and developed but you know it, it there were things that he said that i thought man when you go to date it doesn't matter whether that's the winner that that's your person that mm. you're just having coffee or drinks with with another human yeah mm-hmm. just fucking enjoy it i remember mm-hmm. when he said that i was like okay here's your money back <laughs> 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 like, all right, all right. You know. And so, it, there's, you know, we definitely can learn from each other for sure. Yeah. But I, I kind of lost my train of thought of where I was going specifically. But I, I do think that it, it's important to kind of recognize, you know, where you are in your own journey and really being reflective in the process, you know. No doubt. So midlife crisis for you, Steve, is coming in how many years? How old are you? I am 38 years old. 38 wow. years old. I don't know when midlife crisis starts, but I got to tell you though, I mean, like, I, 
as far as from what you guys tell me, is just another crisis. Right. I mean, you know, I had my first kid at uh, 21. Oh, 21. And, and then I raised raised her by herself where our mom finished college. You know, it wasn't like a deadbeat mom situation. She she had to finish college and I had good jobs. So I raised a kid. And, it, and, you know, and it was a crisis. That was definitely a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and then I got I got married and then, like, you know, I had to go on the road to support the family. And that was kind of a, you know, crisis mess, you know, and then I got divorced. And, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, though, what I remember from every crisis and, you know, I think this is, you know, hopefully how I approach midlife crisis. And a lot of this may have to do because I, I, I've i done some like training with with Buddhists, you know, and I sat down, you know, I was with them like six months and, you know, they really taught me how to look at shit different, you know, but everything I remember from every crisis of my life, you know, and hopefully midlife crisis, I'll approach it the same way is a period of explosive growth and gratitude afterward, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like when, when like my daughter, I built the nursery and the bachelor pad I was sharing, she had a Bacardi and rum night. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shitting you, but you know, like <laughs> as long as you didn't name her Bacardi. Yeah. Right. Her name's Morgan. That's um, my child. <laughs> Vodka. That's crowd royal. But I'll tell you what, I mean, for a moment, there's a period where I was like, my fucking life's over. I'm not going to build the shit I wanted to build. Right. You know, I mean, like we, we just cut off so many paths. The next two years were some of the best years of my life. Yeah. I mean, they really were. And, you know, when, when I went out on the road, you know, that was not how I planned my marriage going. You know, I mean, it was like two or three months after I'd gotten married and my wife left her job and, you know, we didn't make money and there's a road position to make money. And, you know, I went on the road and that's not how I pictured it going. But God, I had a good time. I visited all 50 fucking states. You know, mm -hmm. it was fucking incredible. And then I got divorced and that was unfortunate, you know, and I had to stop and I had to look and I had to say, what do I need to change? What did I do wrong? What did I, you know, and then like, God, it's been, I mean, I'm kind of a hot mess, but I'm a fun, hot mess. I have a lot of fun. It's like, it's like when I was talking to Timmy, I was like, I think, you know, this is originally why I hired Timmy. I was like, I think I want to get in a relationship, but I'm not sure because I'm having a really good fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> I told well, it's like when I was telling Lance, we were talking off, off, off cam, off, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, suffering, however you slice or dice it, suffering is going to produce wisdom. It's gonna, it can produce euphoria when you survive it. So, you know, people who've had suffering are paying attention at some. You're eventually going to pay attention to suffering. And if you've been paying attention through your teens, twenties, thirties, like midlife, sometimes the midlife crisis, you don't everyone's just so different. You know, midlife may not be the biggest crisis a person faces. Mm, yeah. yeah. But for, the, for a lot of people who feel like we've got the American dream, I had my wife, my two kids, all this, if they're not paying attention, midlife's going to get you. Mm -hmm. You don't go mm -hmm. further than that without getting slapped by something, but yeah. suffering whenever it comes produces good things. Suffering is the only thing that I've found sucks. that can bring gratitude. You know, yeah. it's just, I mean, it's just a bitch. It's a yin yang. Yeah. I want, I want to, I want to not suffer. Well, I don't, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, mm -hmm. some the, of my is, greatest the way that some of my greatest lessons, my greatest lessons have come from suffering. Mm -hmm. Oh, like that's... just a hundred percent. Right, it's that oh. no pain, no gain. I mean, like, I, I I look back on the when I, I was working at a company called Dimdeco, and if and and they eliminated my position and did and and i had been there for 10 years i thought i loved i mean i'm friends with the owner i loved the company i and you know my my professional growth was on a you know zero to 10 let's say and i was at a four or five at that point but i thought i was at an eight 
yeah. and, and, and got let go and, and had to go out and my professional life took off mm-hmm. yeah. as Steve would say parabolic after mm-hmm. that. And, and the same thing on the personal level, right? I look back at my, you know, being married for 16 years and, and fighting tooth and nail to keep my marriage as toxic as it was together and everything. And, you know, and wanting to stay in it and then finally getting divorced and my personal growth just took off after that. And, yeah. and I will never forget that those, the, the two moments that I thought literally were ending of my life, because those were my lifelong dreams to be in those two situations were the things that got taken away from me. And my life just took off exponentially after that from growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'll never forget that. So you, after you go through something like that, you think about those types of suffering very differently. Yeah. Well, I know for me, there, there was this, I wasn't the man I was supposed to be. And I was struggling with that, you know, as an evangelical pastor, there was this, this, yeah, it was just, there was this, there was, I was just incongruent. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like with who I knew I was to be and who I was, I, there was just this tension and, and I'm still not there, but the, the growth that took place post-divorce, I am like so grateful for. Like I'm thankful mm-hmm. that I went through that to become – because the Timmy that I am now, I super-duper like this guy. Right. Whereas the other guy, I didn't. You know what I mean? Like there was this yeah. – and it's not, it's not like I was a bad guy and doing a bunch of shady shit. Not that I didn't do some shady shit, but it's I wasn't like this just crazily secretive. It wasn't that. It was just the, like these little things. My theology. You know, oh. I'm preaching a message that I'm secretly going, I think that's fucking bullshit. Like I don't actually believe that. But like this is what I am was taught to believe. This is what I should say. This is what I – you know. And so that, that, that was kind of the beginning of the, I don't know if just midlife crisis, but just a crisis of fucking faith. Like, do I believe all this shit that I'm teaching? You know, now some of the core, like the big overriding principles. Yes. I believe them wholeheartedly. That's where I struggle, you know, in Christianity, right? It's, it's pressed upon you to, you know, keep this, this vow and this marriage together because it's a, metaphor of God and the church, you know, and so, and you, and it, and in a lot of ways it, I mean, I hate to say this because I think if you get it right, it's right. But for people who are in a bad relationship, you need to step out of that relationship and get yourself whole, but you can't because you're bound by this theological, you know what I'm saying? Ideology that's sitting on top of you with so much weight that Mm -hmm. you're like, you feel like you're you're gonna you're gonna disappoint God. I mean, you believe that, so you stay in it, and it's like you you we you you and I are both you know testaments of this, right? We step out of it, we become very different and more holistic, and find ourselves, and then you know, unfortunately, you've burned a relationship, so you don't step back into the same relationship. Sometimes right. people do, but you step into a new relationship and you get it right. But but just the I don't know what that is, but the weight of the theology keeps you in something. And that's the part of Christianity that I think actually ends up destroying the marriage when when you go to church hoping that it'll fix it. You feel like you're going to die if you get a divorce and you realize I was already dead. Yeah. Marriage, yeah. And the thing is. Dead marriage, we're just doing CPR on it, open yes. and breathe. And it's a, it's a, it can really be stuck. Yeah, and the yeah. thing is, and I'm, I might get controversial saying this. I hope you guys don't Good. mind. Good. Yeah. We need, we need higher ratings. Okay. 
here's here's my thing with religion and not just religion and divorce religion and life okay i did i met some wonderfully great spiritually minded men in my divorce by going to religious divorce groups i really did i really did they helped me get through this all right because you know i mean i had a therapist and all that stuff but i needed guys that i could hang out and be like oh fuck this and they'd be like listen let's talk you know and they were great for that all right and i still work with those divorce groups because you know i'm a big fan of those guys helped me when they had no reason to the least i can do is be there for them and you know what i do for them all right when the shit hits the fan and they're drunk in front of their house all right and the police are coming to get them actually that was over this here eating burgers with yes. timmy the last time this happened all right they call me to come get these guys all right now I haven't been going to these groups for a while. These are not guys that I went to these groups with. All right. And, you know, I, I joke and I say, you know, I'm doing I'm doing the devil's work on contract for the Lord because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not a very spiritual like guy, but I'm very good at talking to police officers. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, to me, though, to me, just and, and you know, I'm going to sound like a sap saying this to me, it's just sad as fuck that these guys grow up in this religion, all right? And then when the shit hits the fan and they're getting a divorce, they're calling me. Right, right. You know, I will show up for them every fucking day. Yeah. I mean, any day, yeah. any any day of the week, man. Cause you know, people showed up for me. I was never drunk in front of my ex's place. Like, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I was a tiny bit healthier than that. But <laughs> to think these are guys yeah. that have been in these churches for yeah. 15, 20, 25 years, you know, and they'd call me, you know, they'd call me in there to, deal with this because you know they didn't want to be dealing with it, it was some guy that like they right. had to sit beside in a pew and you know i'm i'm an amateur at religion I, I tried it back in the day and it didn't work out that great and you know i mean i'm 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 uh optimistic agnostic i'm you know i think it'd be really <laughs> fucking cool if there's a god out there but i don't know but i i would think i would think that i'd want the guy that been sitting next to me for 25 years showing up you right. know but they're just there's that shame you want the guy that's not going to judge you yeah, yeah yeah and you know yeah. they know i'm not going to judge them because i'm i'm a heretic that's going to go to hell anyway you know i mean if, if you're going to get lit <laughs> right. let's get lit with steve you know right. have fun. <laughs> i'm not going to judge you and we might have fun but yeah you know that, that's the thing with the religion that's your podcast always... title right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but i mean that's the thing with the religion that always just bugged the shit out of me you know it's, yeah the, the Buddhists that I was working with, they weren't like that. You know, I mean, when you were in pain, they'd come and they'd sit with you and they'd talk with you and they'd teach you to accept it. And they'd say, you know, pain, Ooh, pain is the this. only any inst only instrument blood enough to bring about spiritual change. And they'd get you to the point where you were you almost felt grateful that you were in that pain because then you could start building, you know. Yeah. But man, Christianity ain't like that. And it really oh, makes God, me sad. No. Mm -hmm. It's it, you know, being an evangelical pastor for 30 years. What I came to understand and realize as a fact, people in the church and people out of the church are the fucking same. Mm -hmm. And if not, you're worse in the church because of the religious guilt and shame. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only it, reason anybody comes to therapy, I think at the core is that they, they have some, something inside them that hopes that I'm going to go somewhere where someone won't judge me, where I can, mm -hmm. I can talk about my life. Mm -hmm. you know? That's, that's what they, that's what they need coming in the door. And yeah, the church, I don't hate the church, you know, like I have a long history with the church, you know, as a you know pastor and whatnot, but, but sadly the church is concerned with a lot of things that just aren't important. Yeah. Like really knowing what it is to love others, like the way Steve's talking about, 
I mean, it's right there in front of us. You know, Jesus models it, but we just, we miss it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We want to make it about these external measures of holiness and mm-hmm. it's just a shit show. It's, it is amazing how the, the, your friends, and I'm curious for you, Lance, having been the, you know, the one that got divorced and what about friendship changes? That's the thing that I was, I found interesting and fascinating. Some of the friends that I gained, you know, and some of the, not just new friends, which that's been a wonderful journey, making new friends, my new life, my new friendships, but some of the friends that I had that I thought were forever that, you know, come to an end. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, mm. just because I got divorced now, like, what am I fucking a leper? You know? Yeah. And especially for me now, my spiritual journey, which this is something, well, I know, you know, Lance and Grant can definitely speak to this coming from such a churched religious background and changing, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many friends have witnessed to me to try to bring me back. Like I'm, I'm a prodigal son. And I, I had to finally tell someone, I said, listen, I'm not a fucking prodigal. I'm not coming back. So, you know, you can like, you can stop, you know, like I'm not just in a, I'm not just in this midlife crisis and I'm going to come back. Like, like this journey that the spiritually, the spiritual part of my journey is like, it's legit. I'm moving that way, you know? And I'm just thinking, how come nobody wanted me back? (laughs) (laughs) We want you, Grant. I think you're a good guy. (laughs) He's like, no one called me. (laughs) Tell me, did you experience that at all? Like when you started kind of opening yourself up, like, or is he, I guess like I'm very public, right? I do everything just fucking online. So a lot of my spiritual journey wasn't like a private journey. It was very public. And so I definitely got the criticism. I definitely got the, you know, the emails to, to help correct my theological perspectives, (laughs) which, oh my God, that's a whole nother fucking topic. Like, you know, the truth on the universe and all the thing, the mysteries, you have it all fucking figured out and you're going to share it with me and you live in Olathe, Kansas. All right. Do tell, do tell. But yeah, I mean, you were a pastor, yeah. Lance. What, like, I, wait, was I, am I the only one here that was not a pastor? You are. Yes, yes. you are. The you are one. on contract with the Lord. Like, hey, the hey, hey, right. hey, real quick, I, Grant this Lance, is a stretch, stretch your hands. Right? <laughs> stretch your hands towards Steve. Let's pray. <laughs> you guys are in for a world of fucking hurt. <laughs> Plenty of people have tried this trick. <laughs> I, I, he, hung I, with, he hung out with Elon. We hung out with Jesus. I still say I went harder. <laughs> no, I say I think you did. I think so. So I, I'm curious, actually, from from Grant too. But like for you, Lance, like how did the spiritual piece take you away from friendships and some of your community? Or it, it didn't in a lot of way. I mean, there was a small percentage of friends that that you know maybe we had together as a couple that. Um, the majority of my friends that I would still look back on, I think, and maybe I got lucky, I don't know, but they, they, they were, they accepted me. I, I, you know, this sounds, there's probably a level of hubris in this, but I've always had good luck with connecting with people because I think I've been on a journey that's been fueled by my own curiosity. And I've just never been scared to be open with, the wounded and the dirty side of me because I've, I've wanted to explore it and find it and understand it. And, and, and I, there was, there was more shame on my side of the fence than there was on theirs. 
And, and I, you know, so I, I don't look back and think I came into a whole new group of friends that oh, are, yeah, oh yeah. And love those guys. I mean, you know, I talked about them, Ben and, and Scott and, and Mike and, you know, these Todd guys, and Todd, Todd <laughs> and, and Jonathan and I, you know, Jones still meet up and, and um, I'm just wondering why Grant's never called me. But let me tell you, welcome to the hot seat. But you know, those those all still good friends of mine, and and I and and so I, I didn't ever have that you know kind of uh, being pushed out or anything like that. And um, but you know, it's probably something I'm forgetting or something, but I've yeah. always been a little bit optimistic too. If it didn't work out or something, I was probably like, it just, I shrugged it off and moved on. So you didn't have any, like your, your evangelical right-wing fundamental kind of type Christians that came to you going, yeah, Lance, I think you're a little the, bit out there. The only, I'll be honest with you, the, it's, I talk out of both sides of my mouth. I understand where he's coming from. The only relationship that probably bothered me to use that word was my father-in-law. I was close to him he, you know, but I, I understand now it was very contractual. It's because sure. I was married to his daughter and I, and I get that, but, and I don't have a problem with that. The rest of their, of, of her family is I'm friends with them. They text me, oh, they, cool. you know, they'll, I mean, there's never been any issue, but with my ex and, and her dad, I've been, you know, the leper and, and, and I was okay with that in the beginning with him. Um, because I, you know, I was like, I understand you're going to you know, be on your daughter's side. I, I support her. But as time went on and things kind of smoothed, you know, I was like, I don't, I mean, I get that you're not going to text me and how you doing and all that, but, sure. but it was just, it's just awkward if I even have to see him out at like a Christmas thing or a kid's thing or anything, you know, I'm like, I don't know what to say to him. And, and he and I were really close. So that's wow. the only relationship that, that that's kind of a little bit of crawl on, you know, my side. Yeah. I, was, I mean, I, I certainly had some wounds from the church. Like as a, as a youth pastor, I had wounds from leadership that I worked with and things like that that were significant. But my journey is kind of weird in that, um, well, one, I'm, I'm already an introvert. And then I would say, like, when I became a therapist, all I can describe is, like, doing that work, you know, Monday through Friday and diving that deep into people's stories, you know, every day, in and out, like, I started to at church on Sunday, like when I'd go to worship, it was like, I couldn't feel it anymore. I couldn't feel the songs. I couldn't feel the sermons. It was, I found myself, I'm like this, I'm like nothing I'm experiencing here is like what I'm getting during the week just through my work. And so I, I never hated the church, but I like, there was, it's, and it's weird. I think this is a weird thing where I just, my, I couldn't connect anymore. Yeah. That's I, a great way of saying it. It's, it's really like, resonating with me. I wanted the church to be that. I, I always imagined the church would be the safest place on earth where people wouldn't feel judged. And it just painfully wasn't. And then, yeah. And my work, it's like, Oh my gosh, like just doing this job, like I'm experiencing real vulnerability, safety, like people, people healing people, you know? And so so I just kind of moved towards other ways to develop my faith. I, I, I sort of lost mm -hmm. it as far as going to corporate worship uh, goes. So it, that's a weird story. Um, but that's, that's kind of what happened. No, I think that's, I think that's cool that, that, um, you know, being able to, to be vulnerable and have that safe space to be able to be, um, 
just real and honest with your you know emotions or with your spirituality or with the the things that you're thinking. And that was part of the challenge I think that I ran into even early on when I was younger, there were a lot of questions I had. And anytime I would like bring those up, someone would say, Hey, just trust God, just trust God, you know, blind faith. In other words, they wouldn't allow okay. me to express right. that mm -hmm. or engage in a, yeah, let's right. really talk about that. It was just, just trust God. Shut up and believe. Yeah. yeah. It was just blind faith. <laughs> What's another, what was on our list? What was on our I don't list? know, but I'm live. Uh, what's on the list? Are we, we're live? Yeah. We're live. Oh, we're, oh, we're live. We need a big green light up. I was just on about the air. to say, we need a light that says, Steve, shut up. As soon as he said, we're going to switch we back to that. About. Yeah. How long have we been live? I feel you legally have like, to tell us. Literally <laughs> just a few seconds ago. 20, 22 seconds of live. So yeah, we're we're back and we we took that little section, the commercial break. We're back from the commercial break. This segment is brought to you by Sonic Care. <laughs> <laughs> There's one woman that's really fucking cracking up now. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the the yeah, how pretty. the double the double use of an electric toothbrush, ladies and yeah, gentlemen. All of your goals about to be. Um, <laughs> Hey, what goes on during commercial break? We we don't discuss that's right. That we don't Joel, discuss Joel, that Joel, shit. Joel, but you know, someday no. he's going to break out a thing. And he's going to be like, "Peckers off air." We're going to find out he's been recording. This yeah. shit. Yes. <laughs> that would be the hot selling shit. Yeah, well, it's literally I'm like we go so. offline and we start talking just completely unbridled. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> like that's good. I can say whatever because it's not being recorded. Then as soon as we go live, it's like, okay, anyway, right. so uh, Jesus, so, then, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the cut tape on this shit's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? That, 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 that's a real topic. So I was I was telling Lance this the other day, the the podcast. You know, it's it's. I'm always surprised the comments that I get from people that listen. Right? It's it's like you think no one's listening, then you know we have 800 listens or whatever. And you're like, yeah. wow, that's crazy. That's a lot, right? I mean, I listen to 700 of those, but anyway, you know, it's, a, <laughs> it, it's, it's such a, uh, uh, even though it's, you know, it's a very small podcast in the sense of like listenership, mm -hmm. but it, it, it is impacting people, uh, around the world, right? I got an email from South Africa, someone that listens every podcast and they love it and they think it's great. I, I just booked a wedding, um, this weekend and the guy said he goes man and by the way he goes we're booking you because i really uh love your podcast i was like i go i go really i go i go i go can i be honest with you i said dude that makes me a little nervous that you listen to my podcast <laughs> <laughs> because i am raw like i work for myself so i literally will say anything that comes to mind i i do you know i I smoke pot. I do, I'm like very honest. I, I have nothing to lose, nothing to to save, right? And and one, I love being in that place in my life. But there are times that I'll meet people, and when they say they've listened to the podcast, I'm like, oh fuck, right? <laughs> right. Like shit. Right. Uh, and so I I told him, I said, I said, now I don't know how many you've listened to, but. I'm super raw. And I always say this. I go, have you listened to Joe Rogan? He goes, oh, I love Joe Rogan. I said, oh, okay, we're fine. <laughs> like, uh, then we're fine. I said, but I said, you know, I, I, I still am a spiritual person. I'm just not religious. I said, I, I admit that my beliefs are ever fluid and, and, and changing and, and developing, evolving or whatever the fuck you'd say. Um, I said, but I, I've maintained my faith. You know, sure. I said, I have a strong faith. It's just, I don't have any dogmatic beliefs anymore. And he said, and he literally said, he goes, 
you and that co-host, <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he, goes right. he, he goes, really? He goes, I can't tell you how refreshing it's been. He said, because everything you guys have talked about, it's stuff that I'm going through and questioning and dealing with the guilt and shame from my religious parents, let's say. And he said, you know, hearing you guys talk so openly about your own spiritual journey while yet maintaining, you know, mm-hmm. peace or whatever, uh, has just spoke to me. And he was like, that because that's literally why I'm hiring you mm-hmm. because I think you'd be a perfect fit because I was raised religious. Now I'm not religious. And he said, that's your story. I think, I think, you know, this is not fully baked in my own mind, so I don't know how it's going to come out, but I think that we are more critical of, we talk about it. We're, we talk about religion in a very critical sense. And I know that's not what we believe wholeheartedly, but it's like in the trajectory of our journey, we were immersed in it so much and we're coming out of it in this new, you know, it's like we we can see something new a little bit now, but we it's not fully formed. And so in some ways we're we're trying to kind of give it some framing by being critical of, you know what I'm saying? And it's like we're, I think the more we come out of it, we'll mature. I think that we need to figure out what the value of this, because we still see value in a spiritual life and, and even community and all that. Right. Yeah. But we talk about it sometimes in a very critical manner. And I think it, I'm not left it all together. No, either. And yeah. And, and in a lot of ways there's, there's parts of it that I'm like, wow, that seems like that is so well thought out and complicated that maybe there's not a God in the personal sense like that, you know, I believe, but man, that there seems to be a God out there. You know what I right. mean? Like I still have a hard time moving completely away from it. And and to Steve's point earlier, I don't want to move away from it. I, I want there to be something there, right? Yeah. But I also know that there's a, a huge piece of value. And I don't mean just from a functional sense of, you know, how people can, you know, large groups of people that don't know each other can work well together because they're bound by this, you know, theology and things like that. I mean, deep down in our own journeys of life, the community of the church is one thing. And I think that's an easy sell. sell. But I, I think there's something bigger going on there that you and I haven't discovered yet. And I think that's what we're really searching for right now is we've, we're, and I think that's probably Grant could probably speak to this because there's probably a normal trajectory, right? It's like with grief, you know, you it's it's like this real acute, sharp, you know, turning away from it or something in the beginning, but then you kind of come out of that and you come back to a good place, right? That's where I think we are, but I don't know what that looks like. I don't know, Grant, if you have some thoughts on that or not. Well, I mean, if we go back to like suffering, I think that I, most people I ask about their spiritual life, the first thing they'll say is, well, I haven't been to church in a long time. Mm-hmm. And so what that tells me is that there's just been, at least within, I think in Christianity, there's been this real parallel drawn with my spiritual life and how often I go yeah. to church. Yeah. And so, you know, my reality is just that a church is a, it's a spiritual discipline. It's the discipline of meeting together corporately as a community and it's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. And the longer we live and the more suffering we've been through, again, even if you're in your twenties and you've suffered greatly, you can walk into a lot of churches and not hear anything compelling because you've already learned 
you know, you, you've been in this school of suffering. And so every church is different. Every There are, there are definitely, there are healing communities. There are churches, there's, there's groups of people who are walking that path and they're doing it honestly mm -hmm. and they're not sugarcoating it and they're not making it about rules you have to follow. But, you know, a lot of church kind of still rings of that. And so I, I believe the church is evolving, but I just think if you suffered, you don't have the stomach for showing up to sing. That's what ha I was in church and singing the worship music. And I, I just remember I stopped singing. I, it's like I couldn't, something happened internally and I couldn't sing anymore. I couldn't, it's like, I couldn't be there. It wasn't because I'm above it all or better than that. It was like, there's something else. I'm, Did you feel like you were a hypocrite or yeah, something? Yeah. Initially it was, and this is what I'll hear people say to you. They say, I don't enjoy church anymore. I'm backsliding. There's that old. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah. what's, and I need to, I need to invigorate my faith. And what I say now is maybe you're actually being led into something different. There's, there's way more spiritual pathways than just community yeah. worship. So typically that's when you've walked with God a long time, how many more worship songs do you need to sing? How many more sermons do you need to hear? Right. You kind of heard that. Like, it's probably likely that we need more a sense of like learning how to be quiet with God, learning yes. how to feel God's presence. And early in our faith, singing and sermons do that. The longer we go, the more we suffer. I need like real. Yeah. I need to be on a lake by myself in the quiet and hear God say, be still. I've got your back. I love you. Like, and so any church that can create that, that's great. But like, ultimately it's every person's we're called like deeper in, I think to God through whatever path we're on. And they're just, there might come a time for some people where gathering together stops feeling like yeah. it, it stops being what it is. That's yeah, what happened to me. There's just no doubt about it. For me, there was this, um, almost like a moment of, I don't know if this is really like my faith, like my journey mm -hmm. and being able to be honest with my questions and realizing, realizing that some of the questions that I struggled with, that I wasn't alone, you know, there were no like easy answers, you know, and, and just the, the going through the motions just wasn't doing it anymore for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, even the scriptures teach that, you know, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, just a, my brand of Christianity of how I grew up, it was like, no, this is the way of salvation. It's like, nah, I'm thinking it's like kind of pretty unique for each person, you know, and, and there is no just one way. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where I really, really had for me, I guess that was a crisis of faith. I think my midlife crisis not just my career and different things for me, there was a, a monumental crisis of faith. I grew up being taught by sincere people that this is the way and this book or this is true. This is God's word. It can be trusted. It's, undeniable indistinguishable it's you know what i mean like no. i can preach that it's 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 it, it's the inspired word of god it's it's just and then you know you 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 just have enough suffering and life experience and you go something doesn't add up there here. has to be more this isn't working anymore right yeah the faith i have is not working anymore 
Yeah. Or they, it is the way, but the way is way bigger than you think. Yeah. Yes. Really? Like, you know, yeah. like you get to, to experience like Buddhist teaching for the first time. I was always taught that like, this is, this is the most anti-gospel. Right. Know? When I read it, I'm like, you know, this, they're saying, Jesus is saying this. Like, <laughs> right. They're saying the same thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I why, told Timmy how that. Can be, how can it be wrong? I told Timmy that. It feels so right. Eckhart Tolle or whatever, you know, I read his book and there he'd be quoting scripture, but he'd see it differently, you know, and I'm like, he's not anti, he's not being like, that's trash. He, he was just seeing it differently. And I was like, almost in some ways I was like, I, I, his interpretation almost seems fuller than the one that we've pressed on ourselves all these years, you know, in, in this way. Well, Lance and I've talked about this. So I'm sure I'm, I'm curious again. I mean, not that Steve doesn't have a perspective on this, but just being that, you know, he's not one of the, Steve figured he's it not out one of the pastors. Of yeah, thank <laughs> right. God, yeah. I mean, how lucky, how lucky, <laughs> but you know, one of the, one of the things for me that, that I find, um, that was just such a, like a deep, profound part of my journey was this whole, awareness of i don't think that's true and so my brand of christianity and i I don't know grant and lance i think you guys were pretty close but it was very succinct i mean there were the 17 fundamental truths i mean it was very precise this is how you get to heaven this is how you get to hell this is the i mean it's very specific and not only that, I was raised, again, there's a lot of different versions of Christianity, but I was raised in a literalist upbringing, meaning the scripture is literal. Oh, well, It yes. is literal, right? Yeah. Like Adam and Eve yes. are literally the first two humans ever. Yes. Uh, Noah built an ark, and there was only eight people that were surviving on the entire planet. And everybody stems from right. Noah and his family. Um, Jonah was actually swallowed by a large fish. You know, like all these certain things. And then there was just this, you know, I don't know if it was just, you know, science, which I don't understand how and why Christians view science as the enemy. That seems so fucking moronic to me. But it, it, it's like the gymnastics that I had to perform to continue to believe certain things. Honestly, I don't know how to say this, and I, 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 this probably will offend somebody, but it, it was just obtuse. It was so, it was like so ignorant to think like you it's like almost like how i view when someone says the earth you know like the crazy people that believe earth is flat it's like i don't even want to fucking talk to you like if you believe the earth is flat like seriously i don't even want to talk to you there's this interesting place i'm interested in your steve be a little different because i don't think he was ever in the place that we were (laughs) but as you were talking it makes me think there's it's so important whether you're anyone that you have a coherent worldview and that it stays intact the way that you get up and see the way that the world works you can make some sense out of it right um and and then you begin to question a little bit but you don't leave necessarily your old faith because you've not come into this new place and it's that moment that you move from point a across into point b in this new place that that you're able to begin to see that there's maybe a different coherent worldview out. You know what I'm saying? Like, because there's so many things like that you would say, do you really think that Balaam's donkey talked or that Noah got all and, and 
and and they don't get hung up on those things, but yet they still hold them literally because the whole worldview is still intact for them. And for the most part, it's when, and I don't know what that moment is, but it's the moment that you go from, you know, you and I have used the term enlightened or something. And I like that term. It's the, and Grant said, you know, it's broader than you thought. This is the way, but it's broader than you thought when you're only, when you're, ironically, when you're only a child and you, you know, as the Bible would say, you can see only certain things, but as you grow in your faith, right, your worldview does expand. And then you're able to allow Buddhist teachings and those things come in and realize that it doesn't disrupt your, in your, your intactfulness of your worldview. And you're able to start to live in that new place. And it's, and it makes sense, but it's, there's something about jumping over that line in my mind that, that it takes a little bit and you don't just do it necessarily with a leap of faith. It's, it, it's like with homosexuality, you grow up, maybe you were thinking it was wrong. And so you look at it, but then you meet a friend. It's a good friend. He's homosexual. And you're like, wait, this way yeah. you're, this is a good person. It's like at that moment, then you start to question your old. And it's like, you now have to include the new data and person in your life and make sense of that person. And then that you broaden your, your paradigm at that point, right? There's something, I, I'm not co- totally on it, but I feel like that in your mind, that's when you're able to make the shift and broaden it a little, because you and I don't, if this was 15, 20 years ago, we would have thought ourselves as heretics, yep. but we don't now, right? Because, right. and we think that we've even come into a more fuller experience of our faith than we had in the past. Why is that? Because we've somewhere we've made a little transition there. And the world, the, the the world makes sense to us now more fully in this yes. new view than it did in the old way. Yes, I view it as God bringing me there. Like I, my moment was in seminary, Dallas Seminary. I was waiting tables at Landry's in the West End, and just this is the first time I'd really had a job where I was with real people. You know, so I'm working there, and I was a terrible waiter. I spilled more drinks on people than I can imagine. <laughs> Dumped a flounder in a woman's lap one time. <laughs> <laughs> On purpose. But, uh, there was a waiter there named Haran, and he was gay. And and one night, we're on the same shift, and he comes up to me, and he says, I hear you go to church school. And I said, yeah. I'm like, I go to seminary. And he goes, well, you better be careful, because you better not talk to me, because I'm the worst sinner there ever was. And he turned and walked away. And all I know is in that moment, like, based on what I believed at the time, uh-huh. I was I would have been like, yeah. You know, yeah, what you're doing, your life you're living is wrong. All I know is that at that moment, I like stopped being able to believe that he was this sinful person. Yeah. Like something in my heart just changed and I saw him differently and I saw me, like I saw me as the one who needed to figure things out. And it wasn't me. I didn't deduce that by reading books or I'm like, it was just like God saying, hey, look, pay attention. Like this is about to get bigger. Uh, like yeah. I got, I became a Christian. I was eight years old watching my freaking fish tank and just feeling like I love God. And like everything after that, that happened after that, I had to like at 49, I had to unlearn everything that happened after that to get back to being mm-hmm. eight years old mm-hmm. in front of my fish tank, right? feeling loved, you know? And so, and I didn't do it through study. Like I studied, but it was to get approval and Right. You know, but like though I look back and it's no doubt in my mind, God was just there being like, Hey dude, like it's bigger, it's bigger than what you think. Pay attention right now. And just sitting with people who are in suffering for 20 years. That's what God had to do to me. <laughs> like you're literally got to listen to people for 20 years before you really get how big it is. That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the church couldn't have taught me that. 
Yeah. Well, you, know. you, you were, I told Timmy this, you were very instrumental in my own development, either that or in my own degeneracy. I don't know which way it goes. <laughs> in the end, we're going to figure we'll out. We'll see. You're we'll either see. a motherfucker we'll or you're my best friend. Right. But I told Timmy this, I said, it, it was maybe I had some of the seeds that were planted there, but then when I hear someone like yourself talking about it, and and also knowing that you've grown up in the church and you're not you're not you know we always taught that people that would have talked like this well, you guys hate God they there's something in there you're not part of the elect you hate you know and I'm like no I'm I I'm seek I want there to be a God really bad you know I want I whatever I'm searching for I want that to be you led the way in a lot of ways modeled the way as far as I remember saying don't beat yourself up on this or you know if we were you know, intimate outside of marriage, you know, when, when I was going through the therapy, it was like, it's okay. Don't, you know, and, and it was, and I told Timmy this, it was other people that I was hearing that, 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 you know, I saw as, you know, big tall trees on the spiritual landscape that I thought, you know, these are real stalwarts of the faith and, and they would drink a beer or they smoked a cigar or they, you know, said shit or something. You know, I was like, this is completely different. And I was like, it just broadened my opening of thinking, Okay, these people really, I can tell, love God, and yet they're violating the rules that I've been taught that that say that they don't love God. And it made me start to think about a new faith at those moments. And 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 I, you know, it's probably very circular in a lot of ways, more than it was linear. But in the end, it it is lots of little bitty things like that. It led me to get to the place that I am today that makes me think that there is a broader way than I was, you know, was, I was nearsighted in a lot of ways back then. Yeah. yeah. It was almost like, maybe it was like a, it was like a boat sailing into the ocean. It was just, I kind of just let go of the, the specific details and just kind of let it go. And, and just put, like, you know, they, back in our day, they'd say, you know, the, uh, don't put God in a box, you know? And, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, like literally, like there is no, no box. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a new understanding <laughs> yeah. of what that means that, that there is no box that, you know, that, that it, the way isn't narrow or if the way is narrow, it's, it's not narrow in the way that we think it's narrow. It's right. different. It's, it's not this one specific, like it's this test that you have to take and you could, you could fail it. Steve's over here. Just like, Damn, I'm glad I dodged that bullet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I want to know about the God in a box. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm just curious. You this is something. This is something to be. This, this would be very. This would be very God interesting to talk about when we talk about. <laughs> Y'all getting up, child. Getting, especially with Steve here to talk specifically about, like, what were some things that you once thought that you don't think so. For me, so I went from being a literalist, you know, the earth was created in six thousand or in six days and God rests on the seventh and, and the earth is about seven years, 7,000 years old or 6,000 years old, whatever. There were all these things, right? Adam and Eve were the first two humans, yeah. all that stuff. I be, believed it all very literally. And then I just, as a, you know, as I got older and began to read and expand my knowledge and, and read other books other than, you know, just Bible or whatever. And then you start going, oh, well, science is proved otherwise like like oh what well, they've actually discovered civilizations that lived wait how could they live before adam and eve that, right that doesn't make sense and then you start right. looking at adam and eve like wait a minute so that means wait so adam and eve like if they were the first two so that means when they had a boy and then a girl they hooked up 
Like, wait a minute. Like, you know, my mind just started railing with all the, like, trying to make sense of it. Like, okay, if Adam and Eve got together and then their kids slept together and wait, how do we get all the races? How do we get all the languages? And then when Cain kills Abel and Cain fucking runs because God marks him with I see something. Timmy with a big white, bunch of big those big poster white sheets on his wall like a detective trying to figure right, this we out. We got Bill over oh. here, right? It's like oh they're God. in some sort of drug ring. Now, who's 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 Casper? You right. know, like I mean, he's like he's going to figure it out though. It's like you're a detective. What we were told, I you remember the flannel graphs in Sunday school? Yes. yes. Okay, so the Bible characters, they put on this little this little easel and they tell the Bible story. They're doing Noah, right? And of course, all the flannel graph characters are white. I went yes. to my dad after Sunday school, and I'm like, Dad, after the flood, all the people that were left were Noah's family? He's like, yep. I'm like, well, <laughs> where did, I said, where did black people come from? Because they're all white. And my yeah. dad goes, oh, Ham, Noah's son, Ham, he was black. <laughs> <laughs> no explanation. No, no. Uh, I feel no. like Noah's wife has some explaining. Here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, and, and, and I kind of was like, okay, well, I guess I'll believe that. Yeah, right. <laughs> How many sons did Noah have? Three. Yeah. And see, here's what they'd say, Grant. Here's Shem, what they'd say, and Japheth. This, this is what I would That's say. That's impressive. Right? What I would <laughs> Wait, say was, well, was the, mystery, the, myster the mysterious things belong to the Lord. Yes. Right. That God's wisdom is greater than our fool than God's yeah. foolishness is greater than our wisdom. Right. I'm like, yeah, but if this is the story, like it, it should like, make sense. Even when we were yeah. young, we were like, there's a lot in here that we don't that we're we don't know. We're we're assuming. Like, I have questions here. I'll, no. I'll tell you one that I really questioned me. It was was God's voice. Because and I heard it up till the day that you know I was I mean, we were still going to church before COVID and everything, some, but but and I won't mention the church, but I just couldn't do it anymore. But he would get up there and say on a regular basis, you know, that voice that you hear inside your head, that's God speaking to you. And I'm like, that's bullshit. That's my own voice talking to me because that's what your mind does. You get monkey mind and you just start chattering and uh -huh. that's all it does so, all day. Right. So they like encourage you to listen to the monkey mind. Exactly. I say, I say, if God is the fucking voice in my head, he's a fucking psycho. Yes. I see why you guys are all fucked and in the head now. Uh, Shutting the fucking monkey mind up is like the first thing the Buddhists teach. You yes. Know? Right? Yes. Like, quit listening to that so, motherfucker. So God, God told me to buy those cheese sticks and fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm not saying God Thanks, doesn't God. have good ideas sometimes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to show up about God's voice now. <laughs> well, that was just used. Oh, like Christians, Christians learned how to use that. The girl in college who dumped me, she was like, God told me that I'm supposed to date Jimmy and not you. Jimmy, oh, J-I-M-M-I, this kid that was like five <laughs> foot tall, nothing against short people. Right. I'm six five, but I'm like, okay, well, if God told you that, then really we're done here like i don't really know what right. to say there's nothing you can say and my roommate like, what was like do you say? my roommate was like he wasn't a christian he's like dude let's go kick his ass <laughs> i should have said yes you, you know, know it's it's amazing god always tells us to do what we already wanted to do yes and to hate who we were hating before he told yes. us i'm like man that's convenient e shit. exactly uh, and then and the amount of time and the number of times that that people that God told them and it didn't fucking work out. No. Like, so what well, God told you to do that. Yeah. yeah but that, we fucked up the execution, <laughs> <laughs> but we would do, there's the gymnastics. We we've talked about yes. that Lance a lot. It's the gymnastics the things. I had a conversation this week with an evangelical Christian 
and we were talking about the age of the earth or whatever. And I said, well, they, you know, discovered a, a whole entire society that dates back to, you know, 50,000 years ago. Well, they don't know that they weren't there. I said, well, no, they've done, like, they've done the carbon dating. They you go, oh, there yeah, <laughs> right. They go, and I said, oh, well, they've done the, you know, the carbon dating. There's other ways that they can test to, you know, to verify that it, that it's, you know, old. And like, no, nah, the carbon dating, that's that, you know, whatever. And then I was like, cause I'm, I can feel my blood curdling. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, um, you know, this, that, and the other, and they've, it's not just some theory. It, I mean, it's like, it's a fact of verifiable through testing and through all this stuff. And they said, well, you know, like God kicked Lucifer out of heaven. <laughs> and when Lucifer came to earth, he became the ruler of the earth. Therefore, he's in charge of the earth and can do whatever he wants to the earth to make it say whatever he needs it to say to confuse people. Guy running around wow. with a bag of dinosaur bones burying them. Fuckers, so I wonder how that person, I get that they may use the word earth a little loosely, but do they really feel like it's constrained to this ball that we live on? Because now we're sending rovers and things and trying to colonize Mars. Lance, at does Lucifer flat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but you you know what I mean. Right. Like, but yet the people that are going to Mars are from this place where he has dominions. But it, you know what I mean. Like that's where you're kind of like something doesn't. I I get that they may they may you know again going back to the mental gymnastics that they perform a lot of times might say he's over it's a more metaphorical use of the term you're a human you're on this earth if you go to mars then yes he has dominion over there too but in a lot of ways it's that's not how it's taught or you know right. brought down well it's just like you said it's the it's the gymnastics and the trickery that has to yes. take place to because to, you've got to keep your worldview intact because if you don't it's like the one brick of a brick wall it's like exactly. that one brick can't come out because the whole thing crumbles yes and, and that was the part for me that that as soon as I really let go of what I was told had to be true is when, is when I had to really come to the place of what if I just took all the bricks out and let it all crumble and figure this out from the beginning. Yeah, that, that I want to, that's what I want to talk about in this last and final section tonight, guys is, is we're uh, we're live. live. Yeah, we really is, need that we line. Need that line. <laughs> <laughs> when when faith and fact collide, you know, and and I and we were talking about this a little bit off off uh, mics here, but you know, it's well, like it's like we atheists were. are about science, right? <laughs> right. Atheism, their god right. is science, and 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 you know, religious people or Christians, yeah, you know, their god is the true one god, and so it's like they almost can't for many coexist. In other words, if what science says, and this is what I taught as a, as a pastor, if science says something that contradicts the scripture, you always go with the greater truth of God's word. In other words, I don't care. In other words, if the Bible said the earth was flat, I don't care what evidence that you bring me to the contrary. I trust God's word above what you're telling me, because what you're telling me then makes me have to face the fucking facts that what I am believing isn't true. So it's either I'm believing what God says isn't true or you're wrong. And so I have to go with that. Those, those things, I don't care if the Bible literally came out and said the earth is flat. It, 
that would not have shattered my faith because the, the scripture didn't speak to me about things of science like that. It it spoke to me about things of my inner, the spiritual side of me, right? Yeah. And so that's in and man, we have just really muddied the waters and so much of this, you know, right? If you're you said it, and and I'll say maybe what you said just a little differently, and that is. You know, if you're an atheist, you just feel like you can't entertain anything from the faith side because it, it's like you're giving in. Or And if you're on the faith side, you can't entertain anything on the science side because you feel like that's undermining your the God, you know? And it's like, why did we – how did we get to that place? Because that's that's not a healthy place at all. And there's so many things – I've said this to me you a million times, Timmy. There's so many things that we do in our lives that we believe in science, whether it comes to diet and exercise and, and watching the prescription prescriptions you know, yeah. and watching the, the Rover perseverance land on Mars. I mean, all these things, whether it's technology and science, but yet we get this, you know, back to putting God in a box. We, things are just walled off. Some things about our faith are walled off. And, and I don't know the answer, but it has to be something along the lines of just, that is such a huge part of our identity. And we we don't want to entertain things that might crack or, or fracture the foundation of that or something. I, yeah. I don't know. And I, I think that yeah, for me, there was this op moment where I, I looked in the mirror and I thought maybe what I believe is wrong. Like maybe yeah. what I've been taught isn't actually the truth because I've always been a seeker of truth, you know, because I believe oh. the truth will set you free. I really believe that. I believe that, but I don't think that means like this particular truth, I, I think it means something greater. So for me was I had to overlook the specific, like, no, the Bible's the truth. No, but it says to seek for the truth. So in other words, if, if the Bible says the world is flat and then I'm faced with evidence that says to the contrary, I don't have to do gymnastics. Right. I, I you know, I can just say, well, you know, <laughs> whatever it, seeker is so important. Like you used to think the word seeker, us meant people who were lost right right people who weren't christians when i i started to when I, as i started to kind of just grow and integrate i thought you know really seeker is every human being like whether we're if you're an atheistic scientist you're a seeker yeah any any real scientist is going to say we don't know we're trying to find out any real person of faith is going to say i don't know so there's our common ground right we're all looking for truth and at some point, you know, I think it was when I read uh, Brian Greene, uh, Elegant Universe, right? Quantum Physics. The first part of that book, I could I could kind of grasp. The second part totally lost me. But at some point reading that book, I thought to myself, what if Jesus, what if like he just was not this magical person? Like what if he just knew all the things we're trying to discover? Like when he walks on water. Like he knew how to do that. His understanding of quantum theory and molecules and atomic structures, like he could go through a wall, like to heal someone, to grow an arm, to, to change their a great story where he puts mud on a person's eyes and who's blind. And they he says, what do you see? They go, I see men as trees walking around. And then he does it again. And then the second time the person's like, now I can, now I can totally see like, what the hell is that? He what fucked up the first mud? time. <laughs> Jesus was being a scientist. Does yeah. this work? Does that work? Yeah. What about this? Like it just changed. I, I, science didn't have to be my enemy anymore. 
because I, I saw Jesus as like kind of the ultimate, like whatever that path was, Jesus knew, you know, he just, he knew how to do these things. Yeah. And one day we probably will too, yeah. you know, but so science isn't an enemy. It's, it's what we have now in this consciousness, you know, it helps us figure out you know, what's the weather going to be tomorrow. Right. So it, it's just, whenever we judge something and make it an enemy, we immediately stop understanding it. And that's, that's what science was. Wait, say that again. That sounded very profound. What, when we judge something, the moment we judge something, we stop understanding. it. Yeah. Mm. Or a, a person, right? Right. When we judge a person. You're not understanding them anymore. You've, you've drawn your conclusions and that's where you get off. Yeah. Um, faith is that way. Science is that way. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's from Anthony DeMello. I can't claim that. That's Anthony DeMello. I heard that and I was just like, holy shit. That's what I've been trying to to capture for the longest time like that's i've been trying to get my arms around that that statement like, yeah. there's a lot in that for me yeah yeah recognizing recognizing just the the idea of i don't know everything about everything mm-hmm. you know and there's this 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 i found it to be humbling to be able to say i don't know mm-hmm. you know someone asked me do you think heaven is real and i said i, I don't know isn't it fucking nice though? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have not been there. I don't know. Yeah. Not only do I not know, I don't have to tell you where the fuck you're going. <laughs> it's not my job anymore no. to figure out who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Okay, here's yeah. my, here's my question for you guys. All right. Here's my question for you guys. All right. I I, I you know, I, I left I left I left the faith of my childhood pretty fucking young. All right. And uh, you know, but I've done a lot of reading about gods and i don't know shit about god okay but a lot of the religions buddhism hindu i mean there's always christianity for sure islam there's always a reference to seeking the truth seeking the truth seeking did you guys ever like once stop and think like if i just accept this entire fucking book as the truth i'm not seeking the truth i'm putting it on my fucking bookshelf right yeah i mean did you guys ever think before you guys left your religion like maybe that's the fucking test yeah. You know, because I mean, if you if you read the book and you try to and you try to accept it as a quantitative truth of the universe, there's some serious fucking problems there. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know the old bumper stickers from the 70s that said I found it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so like, yeah. I, that was the mark of a faithful person. I found it. I know this is it. I can claim it, name it, you know. Yeah. Like, We're in trouble. Right. Once you once you think you know, well, there's no more seeking to be well, done. Well, the thing right. is, it's not faith when you know. <laughs> right. Absolutely. It, it's not fucking faith when you know. Right. So, I mean, I always right. wondered, like, why do all these religions reference seeking, seeking the truth, seeking God, seeking all this, but all these motherfuckers think they found them, so and now fun. they get to dictate. Yeah. Yes. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's more fun to seek. Right? It is. Yeah. It but is. We were taught that it's. We were taught that. Asking questions means you're doubting. You're a doubting you're, Thomas. Exactly. Yeah. That's the opposite of seeking truth. That's the opposite of trying, you know. Yeah. I mean, once it's si- settled science in your mind, whether it's, you know, bullshit metaphysics that don't make any sense or it's actual fucking science, you're no longer looking for truth. You know, you're not seeking truth at that point. You know, and that's one thing that always can hit me because, you know, it's, you just see it. You see, you see the quest to search for you know, Greek mythology, you know, I mean, ev- everywhere they're searching for the truth. They're searching for some 
you know, higher, you know, relic or, you know, you see it all through human history. You know, the search has always been a thing. I mean, all the way back to the Epic of Gilgamesh, you know, mm -hmm. and for some reason, all of a sudden, like in the last thousand years, humanity made this bend where like searching is like, no, no, you're, you're, you're outside the fucking schoolyard you know you're going to fucking hell you know yeah. I, you're asking just, too many questions yeah that just confounds <laughs> me though because well such a it, it, and in there's religions. a there's a verse in james right i think it's james that that and i think this is you know grant will probably know this better than any of us because he's a therapist and just you deal with a lot of this but I, it was so much it it's a airtight system and so it plays on all the right emotions in all the right ways right so you know we it, it's in in what you're describing steve you know for us, we would have thought we would have someone would have quoted the book verse in James that said, you know, well, even the even the devils, you know, know that that he's God like they they know that he that they cognitively, but they don't believe. Well, then you step back as a believer and you think then you start questioning your own. You're like, well, I believe that he's God, but maybe does that mean I'm not saved like I'm a part of them because they caught, you know. You just it, it, and then I mean, I as a young Holy child, shit. I doubted my salvation, which just really put. Now so much game. stress on me because I didn't know if I did it right. And, and was, and you know, I'm, I, I don't see myself any differently. So how do I know that I'm truly, it's just a, all this weight and baggage that you carry around and the system is so airtight that it does that. And, and then you have to people like they have to find themselves professionally like Grant and work yeah. them ways out of this and help oh, them unlearn it. It's a fact. I mean, there's, there's, yes. I mean, yeah. there's so much shame and guilt. I remember I went through a bout of anxiety as a, as a junior high student and it really got kicked off when my parents were like 20 minutes late to pick me up from school. And I thought they Dude, were raptured. Experience. Yeah. They got raptured and I was left behind. <gasps> Wait, holy Whoa, shit, really? Yeah. Yeah. They're gone. I'm here alone. Wow. I'm going to be decapitated. See, I got a theory yes, that, that the rapture actually did Remember happen that in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe Jesus came back and was like, no, that was these guys. No, that, was, that, was in, that was in 1988. Remember out, the 88 man. reasons that Jesus was coming back in 88? Oh, yeah. Remember Thief in the Night, the movie? Oh, yes, I was yes. just going to say. Yes. Soon You'll be walking up the hill. <laughs> One disappears, one's left standing still. Oh, I wish we God. all were ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been fucking left behind. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just lay awake in my bed. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> take me to heaven. Yes. Do you remember do you remember the do you remember so the, scary. the commercial? Oh. Of the 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 guy walking and mowing the lawn, and then it cuts. Yeah, and the, and the mower's the, still the there. The mower's still going, yes. but it's still running. Running because it's an old, that was an old movie back when they didn't have the. That was in the movie. Yeah. So I'd wake up at night, run through the house in my underwear. Mom, Dad, are you guys still here? Wait, wait, wait. Terrifying. Yes. <laughs> so this was like legitimate yes. shit. You guys I, were. Oh it's, yeah. Oh, it's, we need to uh, find. I think it's oh, we have to. We need to find. It that. really. You it, know what we need to do? Yeah. We need to find that movie. And we need to do like a mystery science theater 3000 and watch, <laughs> watch that and like comment on it as we're watching. Yeah, we're going to do it. We are going to do I it. Yes. Big, I got the big screen. We can do the full yes. silhouettes behind. I yes. got a 20 foot movie screen. I'm in. <laughs> Dude, so in. Yeah. I'm saying it because that was a 1970s. All of it, as much as I, as much as I should on it, was a part of my journey. Thank God. Yeah. Whatever. And, and you know, I, that's part. Okay. So you, you brought this up. 
I would have liked. I don't know. There was any value for my journey in that. But well, that's the thing that I think. You know, it's like when you you mentioned this earlier. It's when you leave something, you almost have to hate that which when you're leaving, and then when you get safely, yeah, and then you kind of turn later. (laughs) So, like for me, I used to be very bitter, and I would attack Christianity. I was very anti-Christian. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of came around and I'm like, oh, it's just a, a system. And, you know, yeah. like I'm OK with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I don't I don't hate it so bad. Yeah. It's like divorce or a breakup or anything. The, the moment that it happens, you're very angry at the other person. You yeah. you know, it's 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 not a good but you come out of that and sometimes you become friends. And yeah. and it's it's just it's that is a pattern that happens it seems that something about the human psyche has to do that in order to heal properly or get to the a balanced place or something. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is something about that healing process of, I hate you to make it feel better that it's right. happening. You know? I, I love, I really appreciate Grant's perspective on it because I think he has a very balanced view in that he's come out of it and come into something new but he hasn't left it. You know, he's not an atheist. Right. Um, I'm talking about him in the third person. Like he's not here. (laughs) (laughs) That guy, Grant, (laughs) but I'm looking for something like that. You know, that's, and that's, that's where I'm at in my journey is, um, I, Timmy will, you know, get tired and Steve as well. Probably get tired of me saying this. And, and I've, you know, hopefully I've, uh, uh, padded the pocketbooks of William Bridges, but the book transitions Have you, you know, that, you know what? I got that downloaded after I heard you talk about it. That book is so uh, instrumental podcast. to me because of those three, you know, coming ending and figure out what, and then neutral zone and figure, and then come into something new. I just, that pathway is so important. And it's, it's, you know, in a lot of ways, um, like that. And in, in what we're talking about here, it's, it, although the ending part is, is an anger and a hurt and you know what I mean? And, yeah. but you, if you're going to get to a new place, you've got to work through that process and you will come into a really, really delightful new, new part of your life when you find something new. That's yeah. true. Like, and Liz, I don't, I don't feel like I ever really figured anything out. I feel like I did things. I made choices and suddenly like I would find myself it's like different rooms in a house. Like I'm in this room now. I don't know how I got here, but all I know is I can't go back to the room I was in. Sounds like you're seeking. I can't go back. <laughs> I can't. I didn't deduce it through books or knowledge. Like all I know is I can't. I can't believe anymore certain yeah. things that at one point I knew I believed, and I don't think it's me. Figure. I think it's. I. I, I still believe there's this God that's saying, "Come here." Like, it's this. Mm-hmm. It's the path. It's like we're on it. We all get there our own way. And it's, it's awesome. It's not that there's a lot of value in learning, growing, studying, understanding, but like at the end of the day, we're on a spinning ball, you know, that's just <laughs> right. flying through the universe. Right. And, and it's right. like you're we're just a speck. There's a, there's about three things you can control. That's about it. Yes. Yeah. When you brush your teeth, how you use your toothbrushes you for, <laughs> 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 Well, sometimes people have alternative uses that that you might not have thought about using your toothbrush. But. And you didn't know you liked until recently. Some things are awesome to learn. I think the people at home are putting together the inter-break time conversation now. They're like, I think there's yeah. a hidden 
message <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Tune you know, in next I, time for our next time. That's right. So I think as we kind of wrap this up here in the next you know 15 minutes, the, the thing that I have, the place that I've come to in my spiritual journey, and, and again, like you said, Lance, I, you know, 10 years ago, I would have thought I had lost my ever living mind, but I'm, I'm okay. I, the judgment part of me has almost gone away completely that, that there isn't anything that you could tell me or do or say that I'm going to judge you. That's not true because you still, we both do. We are judging those that are still stuck. Well, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I judge that, but I'm trying to get to a place in my life where if you said, I believe that we were seated here with aliens and all that. I have zero like judgment. Yeah, of that. you'd be curious. I'd be you'd like, explore it. Yes, because I'm literally like, yeah, I don't know. Like, right. I don't have the answers, so I don't care if you think we were seated right. here by aliens. Maybe. Right. You would have been like before last weekend. I thought you used the toothbrush for brushing your teeth. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Everyone at home was like, who did what with the toothbrush? Everybody vote in the comments. It's about what we stop being afraid of. You know, fear is the opposite of love. Whatever our fear is, we kind of stop growing there. So, yeah, you know, that's, and it'll be a lifelong, there'll, there'll be things I'm afraid of to the very end. It's a work in progress, but. Huh, I can sigh a little bit, like the things I used to fear. You know, it's it's good to look back and go, God, thanks for bringing me along. Yeah. So, like taking me into a career I never would have chosen and just show me. Like, so I, so yeah, my faith is strong. My religion is broken. You know, yeah. Religion in me is is a burned down house, but just, it smells good. <laughs> yeah. yeah i think that what it's like for me it was the the way so right there's there's the one way to heaven narrow. i think what happened to me and it's and i feel narrow. such peace about this there's no there's no fear there's no anxiety there's no guilt no shame no nothing in, in regards to this what happened was the road just completely got obliterated mm-hmm. you know i mean there's not one way yeah. Which then freed me up to that. If you said something contrary to yeah. my way, there was this, there was no, I need to get them saved. I need to witness to them. I need to share with them the truth. I mean, if I don't, what if I'm the only person that would share with them? Right. The way? right. And that there's pressure, blood yeah, yes. like blood on my hands. And yeah. so now I, that, that it's just not in me anywhere. Yeah. I like the metaphor you're using because because in or I'm I'm using it in this way, and that is, it's not that you're you're not looking back and saying like that didn't the road that's crumbled before. It's it's like you're looking back and looking at the pieces, and even though they don't form the same thing that they did for you in the past, you're trying in some ways to, you know, filter out the things that you think aren't there, but put the things that are still important to you back into a new frame. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, so it's not that you're completely like. I don't, you know, put your hand to the till and don't look back. You know, it's, you're certainly willing to look back at your past. It's just, you're trying to reassemble it differently in, in this new way of thinking. It's, it's, I think for me, the, the not having to believe the specifics. Yes. It was the, it was the specific things that I, I, I just couldn't 
believe those specific things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's yeah. this, you have to believe this. Yeah. Uh, and when I really let go of that and said, you know what? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe. I remember praying. I would pray, God, like all I can say is I don't, I don't know how to believe what I used to anymore. So where I'm going, like all I'm asking is if I'm about to step in it, if I'm about to do something stupid, like you better right. let me know. Right. But this feels pretty good. Like <laughs> right. do, do something. Right. Fire up a burning bush or something. <laughs> right. If I'm, if I'm about to be, if I'm about to be a heretic, like right. I want to know. But this feels, this feels so good to my soul. Like I yeah. really hope you're good with this because I this feels better. And like yeah, God's just like keep going. Yeah, I don't. I didn't literally hear that. Right. But I felt it. I felt yeah. that sense of like, hey, like it's okay. I mean, my yeah, my journey has <laughs> taken me further from religion and specifics, and closer to peace. Like, there's oh. the the journey towards peace and contentment, and all the things that I thought and preached were going to happen over here, have now come to me outside of what I thought. And yep. so there's been this journey, what, what initially would have seemed like away from the, you know, away. And it was like, no, it's not away. I'm moving towards Toward it. Like right. I'm, I'm yeah, there's and this through is, it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you're like swimming in the, you're swimming and someone says you can't swim. And you're like, but I am. Right. And it feels great. Well, you can't do that. Right. You can't, you know, and it's like, but I am. Right. I, I'm, there's a disconnect here. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Is that I never knew what, like in First Corinthians 13, the love chapter, when it says, now there abide, you know, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Like until now in my life, I never really knew what that meant. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I guess love's the best. Right. But, but what it means to me now is like, well, faith. So these questions about what's true, hope, I hope this happens. I can't, I can't, I can only go so far with those love. Now that's going to take me all the way. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's truly the greatest thing. Like love really conquers all doubt, fear, shame, guilt. Like love is really that. And so it's, that's what it's really about. You know, mm -hmm. but so if I can believe that, that that's to me, that's being a Christian. If yeah, I can really yeah. believe that I'm loved that much, that's what that's what it's all trying to say. I think. Yeah. And what's that story when when Jesus was approached um, by whoever the fuck who approached him, <laughs> and he said, and he said, uh, Zacchaeus, yeah. Zacchaeus, or something. yes, whoever the fuck it was, and and Jesus said that you know all the law can be summed up. Oh right. You know right, and love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So you know even even the the hero of the Christian faith, right? The the pinnacle, the person that makes this whole religion possible is Jesus. And so here Jesus is saying, it's love, guys. You're loved. That's it. Yeah. And I think when we start getting specific and trying to nail it down to this thing, I think we lose sight motive, of like if I'm if I'm terrified of damnation, I'm gonna do righteous things but with a lot of anxiety yes yes <laughs> if i know that i'm loved no matter what i'm gonna do good things because that just yeah. feels so good yeah, yeah. like yeah. so it's like <laughs> that just makes so much more sense to me yeah yeah you know 
And it fear, doesn't. Fear-based and it, faith will do a lot. And it but, doesn't. It was like the thing that they wanted to do was keep us close to the home or the heart, you know. But by putting the fear in us, but it was it was what you're describing, Grant, that actually allows you to branch out, right? Because you know that because someone who steps or skins their knees wants to come back to a place and environment where they're loved, they're not just saying like, "Skin my knees, I'm going to keep you know living this licentious yeah. lifestyle and destroy myself." Woo-hoo. Yeah, this I mean, you know, it's. Yeah. People do get nutty, but they, for the most person that's healthy, they 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 turn back because they want to be tethered to something that they know that they can go out and explore in the world, but come back home to where they have this connection and they know that they're loved and will not, not be judged. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, a. And you were raised Catholic, or you were raised? I was raised Roman Catholic. Yes. Okay. So like every. So every Sunday mass, the whole thing. Yeah, an SOR. I was an altar boy for a decade. I was like the only altar boy that didn't get What's molested. SOR? I was just going to say, you were an <laughs> altar school boy? Of religion. Yeah. That, oh. the, you ran the gauntlet, I, I learned when I was young. I'm not pretty. Show, <laughs> show, me, show me on this stuffed animal, Steve, where he touched you. <laughs> Timmy, put that sex doll away, man. I keep telling you. <laughs> Steve, they, they just knew. Oh. They, they knew you were strong. Yeah. All right, so we we've got just a few minutes here, and I'm just curious. We can, I, because I get this like emailed to me, and I get a lot of these comments. And you know, we just talked about staying away from the specifics, but a lot of people like want to know. And I know the reality is none of us fucking know, right? But I would say in some of the big beliefs, let's just go around quickly. Do you believe Lance in heaven and hell? Not literally, metaphorically, yes. Yeah. What about you, Steve? Oh, I sure the fuck hope not, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I believe in a very active, fulfilling afterlife. Yeah. It's there for us. Yeah. For everyone. Yeah. I don't really know what it looks like. I do know that it's not what I was taught, that it was going to, I was told it was going to be one long worship service, and I was terrified. <laughs> I'd rather go to hell. That, that was heaven. Because <laughs> yeah. I read Dante's Inferno, and that sounds like a much yeah, better no. party. <laughs> There's a, a little book called The Tourist Guide to Heaven by, I think it's oh, DeStefano. Anthony DeStefano, Tourist Guide to Heaven. Opened my mind to what might actually be after this. Well, cool. you know, they oh. said the devil had control of Earth. He might have put that book there to get guys he, like he us probably to be like, did. you know what, fuck that. He's like, yep. Grant's going to read yep. this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I own him now. And you wanted to no, go like, Why would anything that's good here not be available? And what's next? Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. going to be real tangible. I'll be able to play the guitar in heaven. I'll be able to. Here's what, here's what I think about heaven and hell. That. So, it's either something or it's nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's either real or it's not I real. I think hell is what we're in now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I kind I of lean that I way actually. That we that we we create our heaven and hell now. I think so. Yeah. Um, so. and then afterwards is just eternal bliss or something. I you know I mean and but but just like. Steve said, and even, you know, we all have kind of highlighted this. I don't fucking know. I've never seen video mm-hmm. footage where someone like literally went to heaven for like a month. And I fucking I, came back and said, dude, check out my video of heaven. I got one for you. We'll I love not knowing. It. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your view of prayer now in your new, new yeah. understanding? It's for me. It's just personal. Like God's not hearing me and saying, Oh, Hey, Gabriel, go down and, do what Timmy's asking. 
I don't believe in in that. I believe prayer is for me to to like consecrate and align myself with something greater and grander. But I don't think it's like I don't think the the it's not like from heaven it comes to me. I think it's all me out. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Steve? Oh, prayer works. A lot of people think it's fucking insane when I say that, but you know, I'll keep it short, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's me talking to God or it's me talking to me and bringing me myself to the moment. I'm big on mindfulness. I become mindful when I pray, but you know, I mean, it works and I just quit giving a fuck why I just, you know, do it. Cause you know, I don't know shit. Grant, <laughs> closing words. Well, someone taught me one time. I don't remember who it was. They said, there's only two prayers. There's help me and thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Well, you asked the question. Fifteen seconds. What do you think oh, prayer is? Uh, oh, um, I, I, my, I align with where you're at. I think that I came along this uh, early on. I think that it, it was more me aligning internally. Um, it, 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 it wasn't this. None of my prayers seemed to work. Ah, uh, guys, thank you so much for the show tonight. Thank you so much. It was great. It's good to see you guys. Thanks for being here tonight. 